This is Jeff Chrisman, and I'm on the Living Arts of Tulsa podcast, and I'm very happy to have the opportunity to be visiting with artist Sean Tyler. Sean, thanks so much for taking the time with me today. Hi, Jeff. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Definitely. What I thought I would do is, and of course, there are uh, numerous questions that I have to ask you and would definitely love to learn more about uh, as far as your, as your work and your artistic journey. But I thought to start out with just to hear a little bit from you, if I could ask what your work and about your artistic perspective, what that means to you at a deeper level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm coming from a background of like pretty traditional um, academic work. I did a lot of life drawing, um, traditional like oil and acrylic painting as an undergrad. Um, and then as time has gone by, I really started incorporating a lot of fiber arts into my practice. Um, for me, that's a lot of embroidery, sewing, beading, things like that. Um, and that actually originally um, started because of my interest in women in art history. Um, so um, historically speaking, uh, women and women artists weren't really allowed in life drawing classes and things like that. Um, but they did a lot of crafts at home. So embroidery on pillows or chairs or anything like that. Um, so it originally started as an experiment combining those two things for a course. So I was embroidering some of my, um, like recreating some of my life drawings in thread. Um, and that just really jump started a whole practice and embroidery has become um, like just a really big part of my art and that I've really been enjoying lately, so. Yeah, lately I've been thinking a lot about um, digital things and like digital images. Um, my latest work is actually a series of selfies that I'm embroidering um, in on like small. Sorry, I'm kind of. Oh, that's here. okay. <laughs> um, I'm embroidering phones, um, so it's a life-sized um, iPhone that is made out of thread and either uh, it's made out of fabric and either stuffed with like foam or thread of some kind um, and then I'm embroidering selfies that people have sent me um, so with that I'm kind of trying to think about how the internet gives women the chance to represent themselves and how we get to choose how we're presenting ourselves and what that means to be a woman on the internet and just like kind of all kinds of digital communication because that's just kind of where we're all living right now Oh, definitely. And I was going to say, I'm so glad that you had mentioned that. And that really kind of, I, I'm finding myself at this point, uh, really wanting to ask uh, as far as going in two different directions, but I'll just, I'll just choose one to just choose one for the, to make it easier. Uh, what I was going to ask you is, first of all, I find that really interesting. Is that somewhat, is that somewhat unique? In other words, combining, uh, in other words, combining uh, the, you know, as far as the fabric arts, I don't know if that's the right word to use for that, or I'm, I may be using the wrong phrase but combining other types of, of, of art mediums, you know, with fiber. I didn't know if there's anything just about that, that if I'm understanding that is somewhat unique about that combination. So it's definitely not something everyone from a painting background does, but mm -hmm. I am, um, when I started doing embroidery, I was actually just floored to discover that there's a really vibrant online community of fiber artists. Um, and people are just doing every combination of materials that you could think of and stitching on them and sewing them. So it's been, um, it's been really inspiring to discover like what, what's out there in terms of fiber arts. Like it's not something I really studied um, as an undergrad very much, but there's, there's somebody doing every combination of things out there. 
Yeah, yeah. Is there anything just about working with fiber that has been, that has been different or that has, uh, you know, caused any sort of different of, of a change in perspective with your work or? And I realized yeah. I made them, I, 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 there's no expectations on that. I was just curious that that's kind of coming up in the moment. Mm -hmm. No, I would say that working with fibers definitely has changed my practice um, in a couple of important ways. Um, as a painter, I tend to be very expressive um, and kind of intuitive. I'm not a big sketcher. Um, so my paintings usually happen like pretty fast, but with fibers, I'm really forced to slow down and focus on this like very methodical process. It's also made me shrink my scale a lot. Like if I'm painting, I might be working um, like three by four feet, but if I'm working with fibers, like a one foot by one foot is like a big piece that's gonna take me, you know, 10 or 20 hours. So I think just like this real, it really makes it a focus on like the physical process and just an accepting, an acceptance of like how much time is gonna go into it. Yeah. Do you find in some ways that there's, is, is it, is it, uh, is there, is it a little bit more deliberate when you're working with fiber? I didn't know if that just changes the, uh, you know, your experience of that process as well. It's as far as what that feels like. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of things that are much more deliberate and that have to be planned. Um, like I'm not mixing colors. I'm selecting them from a range of threads that you can purchase. So there is a lot of that where it is more planned. One thing I really try to do is I try to keep a little bit of that like freshness and immediacy in my work. So um, one thing that I've done is I've just taken fabric to life drawing sessions with me and I've drawn directly on that just with like a pen or um, whatever drawing tool I had. And then I've taken that home and I've, you know, I've got this sketch that took me maybe 20 or 30 minutes and then I'll sink all of this time into embroidering it. But I'm trying to merge like the very quick and loose and immediate with like the very methodical and detailed and textured so yeah I appreciate that and then kind of the other line of thought that I there if, after hearing what you had shared uh it would be very interesting to hear was there kind of a, was there ever a point where or I guess what you call an aha moment where you felt your focus uh where you were really going to be focusing on the as far as the female form and the female experience uh you know and, and as you're saying the female experience on the internet uh specifically so um, I've always been really interested in the female form. I um, took my first life drawing course, um, like as a concurrent student in college when I think I was like 17. Um, so this has been something that I've been working with forever. And I adored that course. And it like immediately, like absolutely changed the direction of my work forever. I fell in love with it. Um, so that was definitely one big moment. Another moment was the first time I did embroidery, um, and it was actually for a class project. Um, we were encouraged to think about women's lived experiences um, and craft and like with arts and creation. Um, so that was the first time I did embroidery. Um, that was a big one. And then the selfies really evolved kind of out of necessity at first. Um, a friend of mine who's modeled for me before um, had moved out of state. I um, mean, this was still in 2019, um, but she had sent me a selfie and was like, oh, cool, I can still model for you this way. You know how, like you can have a reference photo. Um, so I was working on that and I was approaching it more traditionally. Like I wasn't really focusing on the digital aspect of it. It was larger, more the size of my other embroideries, but um, there was something there that I was really interested in. And then, um, 
I was talking to another friend of mine, um, Spencer Plumley. I think she's actually been on this podcast. Um, and she oh, yeah, sending yeah. me a selfie. Um, yeah. And so I was, I was realizing, I was like, oh, hey, there's really something there with these selfies. So I reached out to her and some other friends of mine um, and friends of friends and everyone was just really excited. And I was like, just, you know, either take a picture or choose one that you've taken before that you feel like really represents you um, and just send them to me. Um, and then I started working on them. And then someone was asking me, like I was, I was in a crit with somebody and they were talking to me about scale and they're like, why are you working so large? And I'm like, I don't know why I'm working so large. They're like, what about the image needs to be big? And I'm like, you know, actually maybe it doesn't need to be big. What if it was life-size? Like, what if I'm replicating this experience of seeing an image small as we see it? Um, so it's just kind of been a whole series of aha moments. Um, and I definitely, it's been a more collaborative process too. Um, because I think with people like choosing their selfies, like I want my models to like have a lot of agency and how they're presented, um, how they're represented, what they're wearing. If they want their image to be like flirty or sexual at all, they can do that. If they want like more of just like a traditional like head and shoulders portrait shot, um, I've got some of those. So just like really bringing the model especially like female models into that decision-making process has been really important. Um, and I've, I've been thinking of them as like collaborators as much as like models. Yeah, I, lo I love that. And, I, and actually, I'm so glad that you said that because I, I noticed that, and this is something I've never actu actually asked an artist before. I did one time interview a photographer and when, we, when the subject got to selfies, uh, this is a gentleman who had been, you know, in photography for decades mm -hmm. and uh, didn't have a whole lot necessarily really complimentary to say about yeah. it. And I, and I, and I totally understand that whole thing about technical, what do they call that technical orthodoxy? You know, there's just mm -hmm. certain ways that you do things and they don't change, but mm -hmm. I thought I would ask you as uh, you know, as an artist, mm -hmm. just what about if there's anything about selfies, I know that, like I said, I know this isn't about me. I, f I find them artistically very mm -hmm. interesting. Of course, I'm not an artist. I don't really know. I don't understand anything about theory, but I'm, I'm just curious if there's anything about selfies that speaks to you in particular or makes you feel a certain way, just in general, not so much the person, but just what you're seeing in front of you. So I've actually been thinking about them a lot more. Um, even since the project started, my understanding of them has really been evolving. Mm. Um, I'm actually reading a book right now called Glitch Feminism. Um, I believe the author's name is Legacy Russell. Um, but with that book, she's talking a lot about how women and queer people and marginalized communities have like this opportunity on the internet to really divorce themselves from like the gender binary and gender roles and choose how they want to present themselves and have that power over like their image and like by association, like aspects of identity. Um, so that's really gotten me seeing selfies as something that's like, it's kind of a powerful thing. Like we're able to decide how people see us now in a way that we've never been before. Um, and I was looking back at some of my own selfies cause I've, I've used a couple images of myself in the project um, in varying um, degrees. And I'm realizing that like, every time I take a selfie, like there's a whole series of decisions of how I wanna look, what I want people to see in terms of um, like how much of my body I wanna show, what I'm wearing, um, the environment I'm choosing to take the pictures in. So like 
they're really intricate and layered and there's a lot that you can really dive into. Um, so I've, I've had a, I've like discovered a whole new appreciation of selfies. Like I think that they can be very artistic and like have a lot of like aesthetic decisions inside of them. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I, I just, I, I found myself wondering, I just, I, I, there's a, there is a fat and not necessarily of myself, but ones that I've seen of other people, you know, if you see them on Instagram or different places on social media, I find myself sometimes just, just literally wondering what was that person thinking? And I never really thought about that before that, you know, with a photographer, uh, when you were talking about agency, in other words, I never even thought about that before that this really does. That just never really occurred to me. I'm so, I'm, it's almost like I'm hearing that for the first time. And I think I am, but it really feels like an, like sort of an epiphany. I never understood that before that we have so much is taking a picture of ourselves that we have all this freedom, creative freedom to really do this any way that we want to. And I never had really thought, really considered that deeply before. Yeah, it's, it was a pretty new thing to me too. Like I always kind of just like took a selfie posted on Instagram or not, you know, discarded in the file of the giant pile of, you know, bad selfies, but like, I know a lot of artists are like, they've thought about how our spaces represent us and like how the environments we create for ourselves represent us. And I think the selfie, um, just like building off of that idea other people have had and worked with, like the selfie is a very concentrated form of that. Um, it's also really interesting. And this is something that I kind of can't escape with this work. So I'm like trying to really dive into it is, um, a lot of selfies are flirty or they're nudes or they're like mm. intended to be, you know, part of like a romantic sexual relationship or um, one of my models actually uses hers on OnlyFans and like that's like a big source of income and it works out super mm. well for her. So like there's also this component of women having more agency over their sexuality and like more control over how they express their sexuality, which I think is really interesting. Um I think it really is a good way to kind of bypass that male gaze that we have with a lot of news. Um, yeah, yeah. So like that was something I was always really interested in as an undergrad. Like we have all of these beautiful um, paintings of women by like Titian and things like that, but like that's a man. Like he's bringing this set of expectations and roles and he's painting this woman for a male audience. Like, it's not really about the woman. It's about what a male audience can see in her, um, you know, and the reaction that they have to her as opposed to like with selfies. Um, and I guess really any situation where like a woman is representing herself, like it's it's a choice, you know, like no one is being sexualized. They're choosing to be sexual. And like, that's yeah. something I've been reading a lot about lately. And I think that's a really important distinction. Yeah, and I was going to ask you too. I, from what I, when I had read about you, as far as your artist statement, I had never really thought about that before. That the, you know, the the art world, you know, being I don't I don't know if the right if the right phrase is male dominated or if if it's just and his, and this is really historically speaking. I don't know if that's the right way to say that, but it would be very interesting. Just anything you might share about that, just in terms of when you when you learned about that, and just any reactions that you had, and anything that has how that's informed your work. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
So like just thinking about like the most basic elements of that and um, when we're thinking about master painters, um, Van Gogh, Monet, Rembrandt, Michelangelo, Leonardo, Titian, all men. Um, yeah. So like I took a class on women in the arts on our first day, the professor is like, okay, write the names of five women artists. And like half of the class was like, I got like three. And it's like, we don't oh, wow. know women artists. Um, I think I just barely got to five when I took that class. And like, I've always considered myself like a feminist, but I was just like, oh my gosh, that was so hard. It shouldn't be hard, but it is. Yeah. Um, and you know, everybody had like Georgia O'Keeffe and Frida Kahlo and stuff like that. And they are amazing artists, but like we know so few women artists, like just as a part of like our cultural milieu, like they just, it's really interesting. And you see that with things like, um, auction records um you know men regularly sell hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars um sell for hundreds of thousand dollars more than women artists of like the same caliber and age um and I don't know if any art should be selling for a million dollars but it's interesting that there's that huge disparity of like what a living male artist can get versus what a living female artist can get yeah, it's very interesting. I was not I was not aware of that disparity, and that's it. I know from, from my standpoint, that's just ignorance, not not being aware of that. But that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by stuff like that. I I am such an art world nerd. I'm like any data I can get. I'm like, ooh, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, and like, I don't I don't know. It's really interesting. A lot of um, I've had incredible mentors who are both men and women. Um, but like the, the professor who taught me, um, life drawing was a man and he was an incredible artist. So open, so feminist, just fantastic mentor. Cannot say enough good things about him. Um, but like I learned life drawing from a man, um, you know, and a lot of my art professors were male. And I think there are definitely more women coming up through MFA programs. Um, my mentor is actually retired and one of his mentees, um, a lady has actually taken over his position. So like, we're definitely, there are, there are women making it in the art world and doing incredible things, but like in terms of big name success, even though there are more women in MFA programs, more men make it big. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time just to, to dive into this more deeply. This, I find it, I find it incredibly interesting. And then also to talk about just your own, your lived experience you know, what it is it like as an artist, you know, in the community, in, in the community here in Tulsa, you know, just what it, what it feels like to, to be here at this time in history and maybe anything that you might share about what this past year or so has been like, and just any reflections about what it's, what it's like to be an artist in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I went to school in Claremore. So I was, um, I went to university in Claremore at Rogers State. Um, so I was just outside of Tulsa. So I was able to come down and like participate in that um, art scene kind of part-time. And then when I graduated, I was able to really dive into it. And I had some really great opportunities. Um, I worked at Philbrook Museum for a while. So I got to really dive into that history there which was a really neat experience. I met some amazing artists there. Um, I, I think there are some amazing things happening in Tulsa right now. And some of them are more off the grid than I think people would expect. Um, I was a part of one of the first um, art house shows. So um, a group, um, I was, um, that's their uh, title on Instagram. Um, it's Allison Ward and Rogelio, 
I cannot remember his last name all of a sudden. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I've heard of this. Yeah. Yes. Um, they actually had like a documentary um, about their work that like thousands of people saw online. It's incredible. They, you know, rent this house or like use their own house and just have local artists from the community. And like a lot of them are very young artists and they just fill this house with art and, you know, make this really fun, accessible environment where people can come and see like contemporary artists and like, it's the best combination of like a gallery opening and a house party I've ever seen. So good. Oh, yeah. And they find such talented people. Um, so I, I was in the last um, art house show that I did pre pandemic. So that was a fantastic experience. Um, I was really just like getting super engaged with the art world when the pandemic happened. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So like in the, in, you know, Oklahoma lockdown in March. Um, in February, um, I had some art up at Camara um, Cafe in Tulsa, downtown Tulsa. Um, I did the art house show. I was in the Philbrook drawing rally. So I was super involved and then like everything shuttered. Oh, yeah. Um, so that, I feel like that definitely colored my experience, but like I've been really lucky in a lot of ways. And I found a lot of really wonderful venues that were super accepting of my work. Um. But yeah, it's really cool. One thing that always surprises me um, about Tulsa, because like there's such a big like art element, um, a lot of places and people are still not comfortable with nudes. Hmm. Like, yeah, I wonder if it, is it this part of the country, maybe you think to a certain degree or just where, where we are and where we are in the U.S. And, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of always what I've wondered. Like there are some wonderful venues and like this is not their fault, but they're like, um, we can't have anything that's like explicit nudes um, because we'll get complaints about them. And it's like, that's totally fair. Like, you know, don't don't hurt your business for my work. Like I, you're good. Don't blame you for this. But they, there are those requirements and like maybe those wouldn't happen in a bigger city. Like, um, you know, so I do, I do think that there's like these multiple currents in Tulsa like this there's this very like progressive create like creative current that's like yes we're ready we're open and then there's like a little bit more um conservative uh, elements that are like mm, I don't know if we should be looking at these right now <laughs> yeah is it almost like a little bit like kind of like push pull to a certain mm-hmm. degree or you've got to, you've got two different polarities and so yeah. trying to you know kind of you know trying to find you know, to find, you know, a community trying to find its way, you know, amidst these different pressures, so to speak. And Yeah, I think that's definitely something that you can feel in Tulsa. Um, but like, once you find the art community in there and really get involved, there are some spectacular people who are so delightful. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And then just as far as a little more specific, just anything that you might share about your experiences with living arts, you know, just any reflections that you might have about, uh, uh, just, you know, what your experiences have been with them and, and how, you, how you feel like uh, that they have been doing during this time over the past year, you know, in terms of staying relevant and, and staying engaged with, the, you know, with the community. Yeah, um, I really have to say nice things about Living Arts. Um, I was a teacher for them last, um, last school year, um, and I did the intensive for their Youth Art Council, which was a really great experience. Um, so I was kind of like shepherding um, a bunch of like very talented high schoolers towards having their like end of the school year show. Um, and I started that in February and then March mm-hmm. happened. Um, and so me and like these, you know, six high schoolers we were like, okay, we're going to figure out how to do this all online now. Um, 
And I think that the digital programming actually came out really well for that. I was super impressed with how everybody at Living Arts pulled that together. Um, and the kids did a great job. Um, I was I was really proud of them. I had I had such like a, a mother duck moment. I'm like, look at my baby. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was great. Um, and I've, I haven't been to all of the shows that have been in person there. Um, I was just being really cautious because like I have a couple of family members that are like very high risk. Um, so I didn't, I didn't want to take like any, any extra risks, but um, their online content has been really good. Um, so I've really been enjoying watching that. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, Spencer Plumley and I might actually be having a show with them in 2022, I think. And um, we were talking oh, wow. about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they expressed interest in that when we did a proposal. So um, I might be continuing to work with Living Arts, which I'm super excited about. I think they have a wonderful venue and regularly have just fantastic content. So yeah, I'm really excited. They have really, really fun stuff. Well, I definitely appreciate that. And I was going to say, I'm just, I'm so appreciative that you've taken this time today to, uh, to share about your perspective and your work. And it, it just means a lot that you've taken this time. I really That's appreciate nice. it. It was, it was definitely nice visiting with you. Thank you so much. It was my Certainly. Pleasure. Thank you.